Hello and welcome once again to Won't Stay Dead, uh, the podcast that covers the murky world of cult and horror films. Yay! Guys, say yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this week we're looking at uh, Mario Bava's uh, sci-fi horror classic Planet of the Vampires, 1965, which is pretty ridiculous considering um, kind of how uh, influential and I suppose ahead of its time it was. Um, so yeah, start by introducing the panel. Um, well, we're on Skype now, so I usually say to my left and to my right, but across the Irish Sea is Mr. Paul Doran. Yeah, hello. And also across the Irish Sea is Mr. David Hanna. Hello. <laughs> So, I, I, from memory serves me correct, the last one we did was uh, in February, I think, uh, and it's now, what is it, August? Yes, um, I know, but uh, yeah, so various stuff has been happening in, in each of our lives. I, I am now, I've now moved to Bristol um, for a job, and Crazy P has, has had a kid. Yeah, <laughs> that's true, and uh, everything's turned upside down, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's been pretty much the only thing that's happened to me. <laughs> and uh, young Fleabag has been um, traveling around Germany, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and the Balkans as well. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm back in boring old Northern Ireland. And I? Yeah. You love it though. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you've, you, you've been up in the morns, haven't you? Like doing lots of hiking and shit. Uh, yeah, I was there on Wednesday. Uh, it was good fun, but it was also pretty horrible because uh, we got caught in like ridiculous wind and the rain came on as well. So we were pretty much being pounded by horizontal rain. Uh-huh. <laughs> we can hear Django in the background as yeah, well. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's Django. He, uh, you, if you've listened to this before, you've probably heard Django in the background of other, other casts and... He is now going to be very loud because he's going to be in the room the whole time so he doesn't wake up the baby. So, uh, Specifically Slaughterhouse-Five, if I remember correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good old Django, weighing in. <laughs> weighing in as usual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess we may as well get underway. Um, start, by, start with the beers. Um, Dee, it, um, it was your selection this week, so do you want to tell us... What, if any, beers you have? <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm sort of off drinking for a while because I'm trying to, <laughs> I know, well, improve my general health because uh, I had a really horrible, horrible experience two weeks ago, just hangover-wise. Uh, but I have a Peroni in front of me. <laughs> right. So I'm having two Peroni. But D, why Peroni? Oh, yeah, it's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> And Crazy uh, P, aka Paul. Yeah, well, I uh, I am drinking, but I have been sort of drinking on a budget, so uh, I <laughs> I had to just go to Marks and Spencer's uh, my lunch and get on a budget. Water. Well, yeah. <laughs> Within walking distance, uh, I couldn't go to a proper off license, so I got some of their. <laughs> Uh, Italian lager, pure mountain water, Italian Alps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Italian lager, pure mountain water. Oh, from the Italian Alps. Condition for 35 days. It's just, uh, yeah, an Italian lager. I imagine it's it's like Peroni, essentially. Uh, and I got Sierra Nevada because 
the, the planet sort of looks a bit like Sierra, maybe, but like <laughs> it sort of looks a bit like the Star Trek uh, sort of set, which was in a sort of Sierra in California. Yeah, it does actually, doesn't it? It does, like, uh, and I've also got a double hopped Citra IPA because I thought on a long space journey you're going to want uh, something extra hoppy to survive that distance. So I've also got a torpedo IPA. Oh, nice. About it. But I did have one one trick up my sleeve, which I thought was going to be the, the sort of crowning glory of my, my drink for the night. I was going to get a, well, the idea was to have a bottle of Maker's Mark, because Mark <laughs> <laughs> and he makes them do stuff. And with the Maker's Mark, I was going to add a little bit of uh, Italian vermouth. And uh, I was going to... Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, I was going to get a little bit of Angostura bitters because in a bitter twist at the end, Mark brings them to Manhattan. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to blend it all up into Manhattan. But I couldn't find any makers, Mark. So uh, I've just got uh, a bottle of red wine instead, which I probably won't even get around to drinking. Close to Marquis. Is red wine. Looks like blood which vampires drink, except these vampires don't drink because they're not real vampires. So. Is, it, is it Italian red wine? Uh, no, it's French. Oh. <laughs> so you could have had Portuguese, Spanish, or Italian red wine, and that would have fit in perfectly, but you chose French. I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, is that you, Crazy P? That's it. Okay, well, um, I have got some uh, Union Black uh, Cider, which is 8.4%. Um, black because um, space is black basically and it was in the one pound section Correct. Uh, I have some dark Spanish beer called Mezquita which is from Cordoba it's uh, brewed by Alhambra and I think it wasn't Planet of the Vampires I think was an Italian Spanish co-production and I think the guy who plays Wes uh, was Spanish yeah. uh, I also have some Superbock because the girl who plays Sanya, I heard that she did her lines in Portuguese and thought and assumed that she must be Portuguese. Oh, she is Brazilian. Brazilian oh, right. But um, I've got the Portuguese beer nonetheless. Oh. And the last one is Astra, um, which is a classic uh, beer from Hamburg. Um, any fa- any kind of fans of uh, the German club St. Pauli will know about Astra beer, but Astra, um, I believe, is Latin for star. Hence astro- yeah. astrophysics. So right. Yeah. yeah. What about astroturf? Go on. No, just, <laughs> I'm wondering. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like hard as astro. I thought you meant astroturf was in some way connected to the film, but no, you mean yeah. astro means star. Why is why yeah. is astroturf called astroturf? Yeah, Mr. Scientist. <laughs> <laughs> The only reason I know it's from Star, or I mean Star, is a joke in the, uh, in the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Stargrass. One of us worked for a, a, an astrophysics magazine, don't we? Or an ast- astronomy magazine. Me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, uh, working Sky, uh, I'm working for Sky at Night magazine uh, over in Bristol. Um, and I've been looking at lots of pictures of nebulae and galaxies. 
So it was interesting at the start of the uh, the film, uh, as the as the credits are playing, they have like still photos of um, of uh, Nebulae and galaxies, and obviously the the ones that we that we that we are getting now from kind of NASA and ESA are absolutely ludicrous quality. Uh, but it's interesting to see the ones that were available in the '60s to them that are you know kind of slightly blurry, slightly less yeah. slightly less clear. Um, so yeah, where, uh, so there you, you know go. Do you know that one on? There's like one on a Pearl Jam album, isn't there? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think I don't know where it comes from though. I just yeah, I think it might be a hub. I think it's a Hubble image. Yeah. Um, and it comes. It's on the uh, Benoral uh, album, Pearl Jam album. Uh, yeah, that's right. Correct mondo. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I uh, I'm gonna crack open my wee super super box here. And remind myself of Portuguese holidays. Cool. Long ago. <laughs> Actually, uh, we'll uh, take a break and be back after this. The captain should not be afraid. And I confess now, to whoever may hear this, that today, now, I am experiencing fear. <laughs> I must not let my crew know this. I must keep them busy. I must not let them know that the situation appears more hopeless with each passing day. Who's out there? Hold it! I saw them. I saw them. I saw them. I looked right at them. They were there. In the fog. All mutilated and bloody. Can you imagine? Our world invaded by those horrible creatures. Just thinking about it seems a nightmare. What's out there, Mark? What's happening? That's what we have to find out before they kill us all. <laughs> yes, I was right. It is a puny civilization. Their buildings are still made of stone and iron. How will they accept us? I hope well. For them. Okay, nice one. Uh, so, yeah, onto the onto the film, I guess. Uh, Planet of the Vampires, nineteen sixty-five. Mario Bava. Um, lots lots to talk about in terms of uh, its influences on horror and sci-fi, and also just Mario Bava in general. But uh, yeah, Dee, do you wanna do you wanna do you wanna kind of say why why you picked Planet of the Vampires? Uh, I picked it because I'd never seen any Mario Bava films before, and I read. Uh, sort of an introductory guide online a while ago and this was recommended as one of the ways to get into his films but after watching it uh i don't know where that leaves my opinion of mario Bava. it, it wasn't that bad but uh like no that that's why i approached it as an idea for the would stay dead podcast because i wanted to get a you know sort of idea of what mario bava films were like mm-hmm. and this sort of appealed to me as well because i read about the alien influence mm-hmm Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it 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 kind of surprises me to hear that that that, that um, article suggested that because I mean, 
I've seen a, f- a few BAPA films, and I don't really uh, think it's that indicative of of the, the stuff he did, you know, because most of the stuff he did was kind of, you know, like uh, giallo films and, and, and uh, thriller films. But, I mean, you know, as, as, like, in a way, you know, kind of like Jess Franco, he did, like, lots of different styles and influenced lots of different people, um, which we'll obviously talk about. But, um, yeah, uh, Crazy P, what, what were your kind of initial um, initial thoughts? Oh, yeah, and, and, I, and uh, first of all, had, had you seen any other Baba films? I don't think so, actually, no. Um, I... Uh, no, I'm pretty sure I had. Uh, Bay of Blood was one I was, I was familiar with, but uh, I actually read an article you wrote about it, uh, and that was that was all I really knew about it. But um, no, it, right away I got sort of yeah the alien or the influence on Alien, and, uh, and even yeah, it's like a lot of parallels with Star Trek. It's like a big long episode of Star Trek, but with less. I don't know. It was, it was pretty dense at the beginning. <laughs> Uh, like a, a lot of a lot of stuff sort of just kind of clamoring along that did wasn't really going anywhere for a long time and then eventually it did start going somewhere and it got got quite interesting pretty good but uh, yeah they were, uh, and actually <coughs> the end it became very good I thought but uh, it's uh, well not very yeah well yeah pretty good but uh, yeah <laughs> I kept my attention kept drifting uh yeah, so, maybe it was the mood I was in. I found that too, especially in the first half hour. Yeah, like uh, I don't know, like as you say, it was very dense, and you didn't really feel like it was going anywhere at one stage. And yeah, yeah, it's it, it's also it's, it's definitely one of those films like at, at the start because everyone's wearing the same uniform and the, the majority of the men look the same. It, it's actually quite difficult yeah. to work out. Yeah. Like it's actually quite difficult to distinguish all the characters. There isn't much characterization. They're all just that kind of, you know, basically a- any one of them could have emerged as the kind of square jawed hero. Really, yeah. um, there isn't there isn't really kind of much much difference between them. You know, like if you if you watched like say like an American slasher film from the late seventies, you know, there would be just complete stereotypes of different characters, and it would just be overacting and just over characterization. In this, it was all just very. Very uh, samey, and then also at the start, there's just lots of kind of clicks and beeps. You know, they're the kind of talking in you know numbers and codes and and uh, yeah. things like that. And so yeah, it, it was quite dense, but it 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 is kind of worth I think kind of um, referencing um, Baba's influence. I mean, as I say, it's a it's a weird one for someone to suggest to watch to get into Baba because there's there's so many other brilliant films that that he made. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been kind of watching a, f- a few Baba films this 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 week just to kind of clean myself up on it. I mean, I mean the uh, one that um, you you talked about there, uh, Bay of Blood, was obviously a massive influence on on Friday the Thirteenth. And um, anyone who likes Friday the Thirteenth and hasn't seen Bay of Blood, if, if if you watch if you watch Bay of Blood, you will just go, oh my god, Friday the Thirteenth is nowhere near as original as as you as you thought it would be. Or as as you thought it were was as you thought it was. <laughs> um, I mean, for example, uh, in Bay of Blood, the kind of well, the kind of leafy foliage and the uh, the the kind of depiction of the water and the kind of POV shots behind trees is just directly from Bay of Blood. Um, and in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, the, the famous scene where the where the couple are having sex and the killer spears you know spears both of them you know on, on the bed and the spear goes through both bodies. I mean, that's 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 lifted directly from Bay of Blood. Um, but Bab is also credited with with 
creating the first Giallo film, um, which I suppose m- m- most people will, will know what a Giallo film is. It was kind of uh, Italian murder mystery uh, thrillers that uh, Argento made um, so famous. So, yeah, uh, he, had, he made a film called uh, The Girl Who Knew Too Much, um, which is very kind of influenced by Hitchcock, but also featured John Saxon. Uh, and that's it. That that is particularly interesting because um, John Saxon was also in Bob Clark's Black Christmas, which is credited as the first slasher film. So John Saxon was in the film credited as the first Yellow and the film credited as the first slasher film, which is pretty right. cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's another film which there's probably loads more films um, that kind of you could say well, this is an influence on this. But the other one is a Hatchet for the Hatchet for the Honeymoon, which is about a guy who owns a um, a modeling agency and um, he kills brides which is a bit like um, he knows you're alone but the film in general uh, the character is like uh, Patrick Bateman from um, American Psycho um, oh, right. there's a bit of the start where he's kind of talking about how psychotic he is as he's kind of shaving like doing a wet shave and uh, the, the character if you, when you watch that film um, the character is just like uh, you know um, what do you call him Christian Bale's character in uh, American Psycho yeah um, so, and then obviously this film influenced Alien. Um, so he is one of those directors who I think maybe not not that well known amongst amongst the cinema going public, but in terms of directors, is you know really highly regarded and everyone kind of loves him. I mean, Tim Burton apparently really really heavily heavily influenced by Baba and Argento, obviously. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So as I say, it's it's kind of interesting that someone would suggest watching this as a as an introduction to Baba. You know? Yeah. But it does sound like his other films are radically different. Like, they're not usually sci-fi, are they? No, no, it's like horror, kind of horror thriller. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting as well, like, uh, bringing up the the alien influence. And, like, when I was reading about that, there's the whole thing where uh, Dan O'Bannon and... What did you call the director again? Was it Ridley Scott? Alien, yeah. Yeah, they both denied ever having seen the film. Uh, but uh, I guess, like, it's mostly the design, isn't it? So could that possibly be Geiger was influenced? Because I think Maybe. he designed the whole set. Maybe. Maybe, but, well, I suppose, like, the, the first point that I would say is that um, uh, whenever people have kind of brought up with Sean S. Cunningham and Wes Craven, the, the kind of uh, influences on Friday the 13th, they, they both kind of deny... <laughs> Uh, direct influence from Bava, but if you watch, as I say, if you watch Friday the 13th and Bay of, Bay of Blood back to back, you'll just think, how were they not directly influenced by Bay of Blood? That's the, you, you almost don't believe them. Yeah. So with that in mind, I would kind of say, maybe, maybe they're, maybe they're lying, but also the, uh, the thing where they, where uh, Mark and, Mark and Sanya go to the, they find the, um, the abandoned spacecraft and they find that big alien. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then and work out that the, uh, that it was another civilization that was that was made to be the kind of host of the of the kind of main and, and you know uh, aliens. I mean, how how was that not a direct influence on Alien? You know, yeah, yeah even the glowing that's things. things. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, just everything about that scene is just that's that's Alien. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's a there's a brilliant wee sort of Star Trek red guy sort of moment in that where they did <laughs> Mark. Captain Mark uh, leaves the uh, goes off with a girl and leaves a guy in charge of like guarding the alien skeleton and he just sort of nonchalantly says oh by the way if he moves just call <laughs> like fuck <laughs> if he moves <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> guys the thing's moving 
So there's another bit like that. Uh, it's like slightly before uh, where he leaves the guy, you know, at the you know to be in charge of a certain station, and says, um, "If you see anything move, just shoot it and ask questions later." When there's people missing at this stage. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's kind of one of the things as well. Like, like the whole way through the film, like they, they, they keep leaving someone by themselves and that person <laughs> then ends up dead or going missing. Yeah. But they keep on leaving people by themselves. I mean, after yeah. the first guy, after there's like the third guy that's gone missing that you've left by himself, you just think, right, okay, from now on, no one gets left by themselves. <laughs> I, uh, but no, and then at the end, where's this? And like, oh, and there's only three of us left out of 18. And you think, yes! Because you kept leaving everyone by them fucking selves. Well, of course there's only three left. Do you remember the pit where it's, I suppose it's near enough the end, where they find the, the you know, the other spaceship, when they've got yeah. the red uh, uniforms, sort of, uh, where yeah. they find two of them, and uh, they say, oh, you guys are knackered, so you should get some sleep. Oh, but one of you stand guards while the other one's asleep. Even though they're suspicious of them at this stage, you should surely get someone else to check on them. And he, he doesn't tell them why to stand guard. I think the code is, I'll explain later. Oh. However, with the... I mean, should we explain the twist now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, the twist is that uh, Mark, the captain, and... Uh, uh, one of the other crew members who sort of make it off the planet are actually uh, actually inhabited by these vampire aliens. And they're not really vampires; they're just parasites, parasitic sort of spirits that inhabit a body and then use it to sort of further their civilization. But uh, uh, the twist is that they are inhabited by them, and they sort of try to make it back to the people's home planet, which you assume is Earth, but then you sort of find out it isn't. But could it possibly be that? He keeps leaving people on their own because he's already inhabited by an alien, and he's or by the yeah the vampires. So he's trying to get people on their own so they can be attacked. Yeah. I, I, I suppose it could, but um, I was because I, I watched it twice, um, and the second time I watched it, I was trying to work out the point at which um, Sanya and Mark become become yeah. the the alien. Because thinking thinking back and thinking. I don't actually recall any kind of specific situation where that would have been possible. No. But then when I watched it again, um, do you remember whenever Silas, uh, the, you know, the captain from the other ship, he kind of, his jacket flips open and they see his weird, you know, mutilated body and they realize that he's oh, obviously yeah. dead. And he gives them that big speech about, about where they, where they came from yeah, and, and what they're doing. Um, Mark then says something like, uh, you know, oh, that'll never happen. And he reached forward, he reaches forward and touches Silas in the arms and, oh, as soon, okay. and as soon as he does that, Silas just drops down dead. Um, yeah. So I assume uh, I assume that that was the point at which the spirit or the alien went from Silas's body into his own. Yeah, that really makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But then I, I I couldn't work out when when that happened to Sanya. Um, but yeah, like yeah, like the uh, twist does kind of raise like a few questions in in uh, retrospect because um, you're obviously supposed to yeah as you say like you're obviously supposed to think that they're human um, the, whole, the whole way through but it, but it does I think, I think the film does actually give you a few clues so the first one is that they have this weird unit of time don't they they, they kind of say yeah units of Magon yeah, yeah units of Magon and then they also have the weird uh, burial the weird strange burial which doesn't yeah. which doesn't actually you know it's not, not like anything that we would 
um, recognise it as a grave. It's just like a hole in the ground with a big weird plank over it. A big weird. Like, yeah, there's there's also there seems to be like what would be a cross on a a sort of Christian grave is is instead like almost like a lightning shard or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, also, also at that point when those the first thing we see that is when like bodies are rising from the graves, but uh, are those? But those bodies not go missing, so how come they were in, they were in graves <laughs> with those they were buried? They were all wrapped up as if they'd been like wrapped up the way they wrapped up the other bodies before they buried them. But they said these bodies are missing. So, huh? Is that about? <laughs> yeah, I haven't noticed that. <laughs> well, I think it's it's one of those films that was kind of re-edited and for different um, markets. I think so. Right. Perhaps it's like. Someone, someone, kind of editing it has has just forgotten that element of continuity and made a mistake. But I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah, it is weird. It's and the, then also, also whenever um, Silas or Mark is doing his uh, uh, his captain's log, which is I suppose kind of Star Trekky, and also a bit like the thing. Like do you remember whenever yeah. whenever whenever McCready does his this is R J McCready helicopter pilot U S I post number thirty one in the thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Mark's doing his his wee log, and then he's he's just he's just about to sign off and say this is Mark blah blah blah, and then he says the year, and then a noise interrupts him, and he doesn't get to say the year. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's about to he's about to tell the audience what year it's all happening, but then that's kind of cut short. So I thought that was kind of yeah. nice, a, a nice yeah. wee um, a nice wee teaser. Do you think it had a lot of influence on those sort of found crews? Uh, type films like The Thing and Event Horizon and Alien would be another one you know what happened to these guys yeah. Europa re- Report is a more recent one that seems like it's it's lifted quite heavily from it as well actually yeah. what's the Europa Report Crazy Pay? it's uh, it's it's an alright sort of movie like Event Horizon sort of a, a crew go to um, uh, they go to investigate Europa the moon of uh, Jupiter, Jupiter, what are Jupiter? Saturn's moons? I don't know. You're the yeah. astronomer here. <laughs> <laughs> Europa. Uh, anyway, and they, um, I think they're maybe going on a rescue mission again. Uh, Respondents are like uh, chasing up a sort of investor, uh, a team. They went there before, and uh, they start seeing all these like strange lights, sort of on the horizon of Europa. And they wonder, is it is it like natural gases or is there like life and stuff? Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's all right. It's it's decent. Like it's it's not not brilliant, but it's it's actually it's character wise, it's it's quite good. Script wise, it's it's not bad either. Dialogue's pretty good, but it's it's fine. It's a decent movie. I, I watch it uh, uh, about three nights after Arlo was born. I never got to hadn't really slept, and I was just like sort of up at like three a.m. watching movies, trying to trying to get him to sleep. So <laughs> one of those. A, a lot of it probably went completely over my head, but it was uh, yeah. It really reminded me a lot of. Uh, of that yeah the, the I mean, it, it, it is that whole thing of you know the, the, the protagonists arrive aboard, aboard a ship and everyone's dead um, and then they have to try and work out what's what's happening or what's yeah. happened which is obviously like the thing and Event Horizon and Alien well not Alien yeah Alien I suppose yeah because they find that, that, that other ship yeah, Prometheus uh, but so. um, it kind of reminds me of the story of the Mary Celeste and I'm just wondering Paul because you know you're all booky and stuff. Um, are there, like, are, like, are there? Can you can you think of any kind of references to that in kind of in, in uh, literature? Like any kind of you know. Uh, 
Any kind of you know, like pirate stories or anything like that? Don't know. Maybe, yeah. Um, it's a thinker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there. I think there's an Edgar Poe story. I can't remember what it's called, which is sort of similar, but somebody gets like casted away on a ship. I can't oh, yeah. remember. Uh, I remember that. It's like a novella. Yeah, it's like a short story, and it's written, it's written like a letter, I guess. Yeah. As they were kind of want to do in Victorian Gothic novels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A pistol uh, Yeah. There, there is. Yeah, it's, it's not not completely the same kind of story, but yeah, it, maybe it's kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose like I don't know, Robinson Crusoe, maybe to an extent, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe. Maybe I Gulliver's Travels a little bit, uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. It, I, I sort of wondered about the, about the sort of was there like a political commentary? <laughs> Sorry, I, uh, our listeners should should be aware that we are getting flashes. We're on Skype and we're getting flashes of uh, Dave's profile picture every sort of five seconds. It's, it's hilarious. It's so distracting. It's just can see each other live, but they joined the conversation late and was just given a profile pic instead. It's like a still of him giving a thumbs up. <laughs> Brilliant, but it's so distracting. <laughs> it's like you're affirming everything I say. <laughs> just want to give you support. Good, good job, Paul. <laughs> like a really obnoxious one. <laughs> really patronizing. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there seemed to be like a, a real sort of, uh, political um, sort of subtext, which only sort of came through towards the end. Uh, and it, uh, I thought maybe it was like, was it like a commentary on like fascist Italy, um, maybe, or like something, maybe something to do with even like Nazism. I don't know. There's like, uh, when they're the three of them are on the, the sort of ship home, uh, the guy, I can't remember his name, the guy who isn't uh, infected by one of the aliens, uh, talks yeah, talks about a sort of survivor's guilt. And then he talks about how much of a nightmare it would have been to live with these creatures if they had taken over and how like daily life would be a, a nightmare. And, stuff. and uh, I thought that could be, like at the time, uh, after the sort of fascists had lost the war, still uh, fascism sort of lived on in Italy. Um, and... Uh, and all over the world, like you know, the the guys who used to be Nazis were then in position of power everywhere, and that's obviously where like Red Army faction and Meinhof sort of uh, reacted against. Yeah. But uh, was was it, was it sort of like a commentary about that? Do you think um, that this they they lost the war, but uh, they sort of then like got their hat, got their sort of like tentacles in deeper into like uh, into society, and were maybe then sort of infecting society with like. No, Sadly, knowing or something. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd never thought about that, but that definitely works with the whole the, that that line where he says, um, you know, he basically says he feels guilty for surviving. I mean, I can yeah. imagine if you know something like uh, the Second World War, if you'd, if you'd, uh, especially if you'd been fighting in the Second World War, if you'd if you'd survived and seen all your comrades die, yeah, there would be that element of guilt, wouldn't there? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and there, I know there's like a uh, a real common survivor for Holocaust victims and victims of genocide in general mm-hmm. uh, it's like one of the main uh, I think like it's a really high suicide rate because of, uh, of uh, Holocaust survivors and, and like survivors of like say Serbian genocide and stuff uh, through, oh. uh, through survivors guilt 
Yeah, well, whenever that's the the alien that has um, taken over Salas, Captain Salas, um, kind of whenever he reveals himself, he he does say something like, um, "You you humans have been killing each other over the centuries. Do you really expect us to be any different?" You know, so he's kind of yeah. saying, you know, like you you look at us as as the enemy because we are trying to kill you to survive. But are you honestly going to sit here and tell me that if it was the other way around, you wouldn't be doing the same thing? Yeah, he actually yeah. He phrases it a, a weird way. It, it's, it's something like humans have been humans have been killing people, but it, it doesn't really say you are. It doesn't really make it seem that they are humans, or it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean they are humans because that's that's where your twist is. Well, do you want to listen to it? I've got to be yeah. careful. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not Salas. Just his body. I inhabit the body of your late captain. And I'm just one of many beings on this planet. Many beings who are desperate. We've been in trouble many years now, and we're fighting to survive. We arranged for several of you to kill each other so that we could take over your bodies. You are our last chance. It's imperative that our race continue to exist. At our expense? If you were in our place, you would understand. On your planet, I know you humans have fought and killed down through the centuries. Do you really expect us to be any different? We cannot be wiped out. We'll stop at nothing. We must fight, no matter how. We are a race that exists on a vibratory plane different from yours. Our limitations are entirely different. Our technology. We cannot build anything. Spaceships like this. We need ships to get away. Perhaps our survival is possible somewhere else. Our sun's been dying, as you can see. And that means the end of our species as well. We have been attempting to summon you here for centuries. Just as our son had no more energy. You heard our message. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so that kind of speech does kind of mirror that that kind of uh, well, what we were just talking about there, yeah. Dee, did you kind of pick up any political subtext? Uh, it's more so now that Paul's mentioned it. Um... I thought it was a bit sludgy in that respect. I wasn't really picking up anything to, uh, like, a, it wasn't that apparent, you know, um, straight away. Yeah. It just came more across as a classic zombie sort of space film. Uh, like, you know, I, I didn't pick up too much from it. But yeah. I, can, I can see the Star Trek influences and that kind of thinking, you know, where the sort of show up the hypocrisy of the ideals of man, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I'm going to put you in a spot here, Dee, but like, when did when did Star Trek begin? Like, what, like, like, you know, when was the first episode? Oh God, that's a good question, actually. I think I, it was in the 60s. Yeah, it was. And I think it might have been slightly, slightly later than it might have been, like, 60... Or, uh, We're all googling, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I won't Google if you guys are googling. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I should know this having read William Shatner's Star Trek Years twice, <laughs> which is nineteen sixty six. Sixty six. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Although I think uh, I think that started started working on it like maybe quite a few years before 
Yeah, I mean, I there, there, there isn't really much of a gap there to kind of say, you know, well, that's the, the, this must be have been a definite influence on um, on uh, uh, on Star Trek. Is there really? Possibly. Well, like yeah. the early Star Trek's a bit ropey anyway in terms of sort of deep philosophical thought. Uh, it it happens in some episodes, but it's a bit more sort of you know dashing adventure and stuff the original series was a bit ropey in terms of uh like you know deep philosophical thought and interesting storylines it does have at the odd time but that didn't really come into effect until the next generation Ah, okay yeah Yeah. i mean i think the original series had a lot of like guest writers and uh like people just pitched stories to them all the time and stuff you know so probably there could have been some writers that that had had were aware of this. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, uh, the, the interesting thing I thought was because it obviously was. I mean, because it was, as I was kind of saying at the start, like uh, Wes is a Spanish actor and um, Sanya is a Brazilian. So obviously speaking Portuguese, and the main guy I think was uh, English, uh, Mark, and and as was kind of common. Uh, in uh, Italian horror films and Euro horror films, all, all the actors are, are speaking their their own language. They're speaking their lines in their own language because it doesn't matter because it's all going to be dubbed anyway. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, what was the point? What, what were we talking about there? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, so, uh, why, why why was I saying that? Um, oh yeah. So. Um, so, I mean, it was obviously targeted for, for lots of different markets because it was going to be dubbed, later dubbed into Italian and Spanish and, and English. But um, the fact that the, the world at the end specifically shows the United States, yeah, I think, and then when they zoom in, it's, it's New York. I mean, it's not as if they zoom in and it's Rome. You know, it's not, yeah, not, yeah. As, if, it's not as if the globe shows Europe. Um, so the, I guess the film they must have they must have primarily been targeting it at at the American um, market because because the question I was going to ask was um, whether or not um, you know if if Star Trek was influenced by it you know if if it was kind of a, um, if it was a big enough in America for the people who made Star Trek to have seen it but it obviously was targeted at America because the globe shows. And uh, northern and and uh, southern America. So yeah, but I suppose like you know we don't really know. But I mean, it, like it, it obviously influenced um, people like Carpenter because you know he when he and uh, Dan O'Bannon went to make um, Dark Star, and it obviously influenced Ridley Scott. Um, but then you know Bava influenced the majority, or, you know, all, kind of quite a lot of uh, American directors. Um, and he, and he obviously awesome. he obviously influenced um, Argento quite a lot because I think. Um, all the kind of smoke and the silhouettes and, and the kind of green and red and blue lights. It, it's very like Suspiria, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you mean the bit specifically with the globes? <laughs> the spinning globes? Well, well, well the globes, <laughs> but, but also once, once they venture outside of the spacecraft, um, uh, the, the, the landscape is all, it's all red and blues and, and kind of silhouettes. And it does look like, like certain, you know, those kind of those, those kind of scenes in, in Suspiria when everything's basked in red or basked in yeah. blue, and it's all kind of. Um, but yeah, yeah, like a, apparently, apparently the set was only like two two rocks or something. Yeah. <laughs> but like, because Baba is such a legend, he was able to to kind of film it and angle it and use smoke and, and mirrors and different things to make it look like a, a big, massive, elaborate set. That's amazing. 
I know. Um, and in fact, like quite a lot of the um, the the uh, visual effects were done with mirrors. And there's a specific effect that I uh, looked up. It's called the uh, shif- Shifton process, and it's it's whereby um, there's like certain scenes that you can tell that like the the, the actors are, are superimposed upon the scenery, like they're not actually there. I don't I don't know wh- why, but for some reason you you know your brain's able to kind of say I can tell that those actors aren't really there. And so you kind of assume that it must have been done kind of in post-production, but it's not. It was actually done like using mirrors, using using this process, which apparently used to be used like during the kind of the the, the Paris uh, Congenial theatre of the kind of early twentieth century. And apparently, like even as recently as um, uh, either Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, they used used that uh, those um, those, those right. techniques. Yeah. yeah. So I think uh, I think because um, uh, Bab- Baba was a cameraman. As well, yeah. Andy was a makeup artist. Andy was a director. So, <laughs> what a bit of an all rounder, like a bit of a legend. Yeah, there was a bit in the ship. I think uh, when they're going through the initial, uh, when they're being sucked down to the planet, the the warning light is a big red light, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it kind of like it takes over the whole set. So maybe that was like an influence as well. Yeah, and there's like green as well. There's like green globes that kind of um, that kind of uh, shine on, on the uh, on the uh, seats at certain points. Yeah, the, yeah, the bit where the where the bodies are missing, where they they discover the bodies are missing. Yeah, uh, right. I, I thought the, the steering wheel was quite funny. And, uh, yeah, and all, all the monitors in the like in the bridge of the ship are all just like big, <laughs> big weird lights. That they're just staring into. You. Yeah, <laughs> like can you see anything? <laughs> no, <laughs> just looking at your fucking green light I, know, I actually like wonder can... about that and maybe that had an influence on Star Trek because uh, do you remember the thing that Spock used to use at all uh, I don't know what it was you... just basically like uh, I don't know how to describe it but it was like a box you would look into with your eyes and it just seemed like like light came out of it oh so, yeah yeah I do <laughs> yeah. so maybe it was an influence yeah well, the, the the other thing that springs to mind is the Matrix. You know, whenever they look at the screen and all we see is is uh, code, like zeros and ones. Yeah. But whenever the characters look at it, they can see exactly what's happening in the Matrix. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I suppose, as well, though, one thing I, I quite liked about it was, uh, you know, in, in a lot of old older sci-fi movies, um, computers and everything are, are huge. And, you know, like, you know, more buttons means more more power kind of thing. But obviously... Uh, in like in the future, or well, it, you know, the future for them, uh, which is today, uh, everything's got a lot smaller and a lot simpler and a lot like you know, uh, touchscreen, you know, hardly any buttons and stuff. And th- their their sets were quite minimal, minimalist. So uh, like the there was a, like big sets, but like the actual functionality of them was the bits and pieces, the buttons they pressed were like maybe two or three buttons. And I suppose yeah, looking at the light is the same as looking into like. Smartphone, I suppose. You know. Yeah, doesn't look like it does anything until you, you know how it works. So. Yeah, I actually thought it was quite a nice set uh, for a spaceship. Yeah, no, it is. It's lovely, actually. Yeah, yeah. The, the uh, spaceship. Yeah. 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 It, it looks lovely. It just, uh, yeah, it sort of looks a bit, a bit sort of like everything is probably kind of useless. But I suppose, <laughs> <laughs> look at my phone. They would say the same. You know? Well, I mean, like there, there are far too many lights and not enough buttons. I mean, it's all lights. You know, there aren't there aren't levers and buttons and, and dials and things to push and press and influence. It's just like, oh, all those buttons are, are flashing. 
yeah, I suppose I've sort of contradicted myself there. Uh, so uh, I think it's. Uh, I think. I'm just thinking. The suits, there's... What about the suits? What about those collars? Oh, they were. Yeah, the collars were a bit impractical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, why? Why have the colors <laughs> like that? I, I, I that, thought the suits looked aesthetic. quite good, though. Like you know, apart from the colors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the colors are kind of cool, but yeah, that's the thing. It's like they they just look. You know, I can't imagine why. You know, because you would think that if you were designing a spacesuit for people who are going on missions and saving people and exploring planets, the primary objective would be you know, practicality. Um, but why would you have something that kind of restricts the movement of the neck? <laughs> um, have, have you guys seen Prometheus? Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice the uniforms, the influence? No, I can't remember. can't remember. Uh, I can't remember Michael Fassbender's character, but he wears a very similar uniform. Oh, yeah. Cool. I'm good yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uniforms are cool. They were kind of... Uh, Maybe they, they maybe looked a little like Hugo Bossish or something, like a little uh, yeah, like SS Nazi-ish. But yeah, <laughs> but uh, also kind of like they were just like they had a lovely sort of purple punk sort of uh, feel to them. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, like if, if, if you want to kind of push the Italian stereotype uh, further, you know, in kind of the mid sixties, you know, black leather, you know, yeah, like you kind of picture yeah. a kind of attractive. Italian men and women riding around room and mopeds wearing black leather. Oh, actually, do I see what you mean? I've got a picture of Fassbender up here, and he like has it must be like the the bit where his like sort of helmet connects to his suit, but it gives him this yeah. big massive collar and stuff. Yeah, cool. yeah, totally. Actually, yeah, and actually, yeah, style style wise, it's pretty similar. Yeah. What about cool. the big um, the big ridiculously round uh, yellow helmets they have as well? <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> Yeah, they're really weird, aren't they? Yeah. There's actually, there's, uh, I'm sure you guys have, have come across Chick Tracks before. No. Jack, Jack Trick, Chick Tracks. And they're, they're those we, uh, uh, those we like single, those we two, two panel comics that uh, get given out, uh, given out by like really fucking hardcore Christians that condemn everyone. And like they're <laughs> all, yeah, all about like, you know, man. Gays are taking over the world. Catholics are taking over the world. Atheists are taking over the world. Atheist gays are taking over the world. All the shit. Atheist gay Catholics are taking over the world. Yeah, everybody has. And, and actually, I, I actually wrote a, a, an article about it for the Bear a while ago, and I spent like a week reading these things. And his like, it's mental. His, his sort of uh, his sort of conception of what this like he calls it the, the great whore is like the Vatican and it's controlling like communism and and gays and AIDS and everything. And Jack Trick's um, uh, sort of world, but uh, he has uh, this. I think it's like a, an anti-gay one where he has a future and uh, uh, some like atheist sort of superhero is cop is like coming in to tell all the kids about how how great it is that uh, how great gays are or something. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, one kid, one kid says, "But I, I believe in God," and then they condemn him. But the, this big, like, sort of superhero cop guy has this amazing outfit, like this absolutely fucking stunning like, superhero <laughs> outfit on. And it really reminded the whole time I was just thinking, "This is it. This this that uniform is exactly what that guy's wearing. It's, it's beautiful." Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
Check tracks are are the most hateful things in the world. You you got to check them out. There's a couple of websites dedicated to just dissecting them, and they're what's it called? Check tracks. He's called Jack Check, um, and I, I, he's still alive. I, I tried to contact him um, when I was writing that article. But, um, Amazing. I, I contacted his foundation, but they they never got back to me. So yeah, I just, yeah. I just tore them to pieces. They didn't care. <laughs> they're still still things. <laughs> shameless plug there for uh, Crazy, Crazy P's other um, blog that he does when he's not WSDing it it's uh, The Bear isn't it Crazy P would you the bear would you right. care to let our listeners know your uh, your wee website yeah why it's not it's about a big hairy gay man <laughs> yeah we do get uh, quite a lot of uh, sort of submissions of like gay porn because people think we are <laughs> website, but not. really we're, we're yeah but we'll publish some of it some of it's been quite good uh, but uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it's uh, the the bear review www.thebear-review.com. Looking for new writing. Not even a WordPress in there. Not even a WordPress. It's it's, uh, it's all, all done by, by sheer slog and uh, <laughs> do, do it the hard way. Professional, sort of. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's, speaking of which, I, I forgot to say our website at the start of the uh, podcast: www.wouldstaydead.wordpress.com. <sighs> Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, were, 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 were there any kind of, kind of other influences that you guys thought? I, 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 I thought the thing because um, of the whole where, you know, um, them, them having to decide what's going on. Also, um, the fact that you can't tell who's a human and who's, in, you know, take, being taken over by the alien. Um, and the alien's ultimate goal is to get back to human civilization and take over that, which is the same as the thing. Um, yeah. But also the music. Oh, yeah. Really? The theme tune, because it's kind of that... Yeah. I, kind of <laughs> I, that was... I actually... That's what reminds me of Alien, actually, quite a lot. Ah. Um, well, I, I, I was going to bring up the music. Uh, the, the, the lack of it, actually. Yeah, I, I don't think it helps in terms of drama. Um, Is that uh, again, Paul? So, are, are, are you talking about the the theme music, or are you kind of saying that there wasn't much incidental music? Incidental music. Yeah. Yeah. So, like in Star Trek, when there's a big fight, they'll have the you know the what what does the what does the Star Trek fight music go like? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. Because <laughs> remember, Keith used to always do it. The, oh no, uh, he's. Was it Star Trek music, is it? Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, the the uh, Star Trek fight music whenever Kirk's, like, fighting people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, actually, there's a phenomenal bit at the end whenever uh, Sanya and Mark go into the, um, go into the uh, Galliot to try and to set the um, detonators to blow it up, and then one of, the, one of the aliens comes out and tries to kind of say... Uh, you know, tries to kind of stop them. And then Sanya, actually, good on her, like, she fucking manages to knock the gun out of the guy's hand, like, what a legend, you know, to, right, to, to yeah. talk about your kind of strong, um, strong female characters. Um, but then, um, uh, whenever I'm watching kind of fighting the that. guy, it's totally kind of, it's really theatrical, and he does that brilliant move that you see in that kind of, you know, mid-60s sci-fi fights, where he basically just, like, grabs the guy's hand, and with a quick flick of his wrists, the guy's suddenly doing a 360 tumble. 
Yeah. You know that one where they kind of like twist the arm and kind of flip it and the guy just, you know, completely goes in for it? It's the kind of thing you'd see in like, you know, like the kind of uh, pro wrestling, you know, where the guys obviously, you know, like if, 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 someone, if, someone, if someone in the street grabbed your hand and tried to do that to you, you'd just go, what are you doing? But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this the music? <laughs> Yeah, that's the one. It's when uh, Spock was going through okay. puberty. <laughs> Enough of that. Brilliant. But yeah, like, uh, did, do you guys, do you guys kind of, did, did any other kind of um, influences and in any other kind of, ask, you know, sci-fi films or programs come to mind when you were watching it? Um, uh, yeah, I had no. one second ago there and then I got distracted by the Star Trek. <laughs> um, but... Um, Jesus, yeah, what was it? Event Horizon? <laughs> no, uh, uh, Battle, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, not sure who's a who's a human, who's not. Uh, yeah, there you go, Cylons. Yeah. Yeah. Although, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, I, I, I think uh, actually, I, I think a lot of zombie movies probably uh, could maybe just by their nature or sort of seem like they draw a lot of parallels, but it, it, it's probably more coincidence of the sort of uh, zombie sort of. You know, ideas and anything else. Yeah. Why did they call it Vampire, like Planet of the Vampires? I don't know. <laughs> this is the thing that I was kind of thinking was because we we kind of talk about zombies now, and we refer to zombies as as what we refer to zombies as because of we kind of have Romero. We kind of have the hindsight of Romero because when you, if you think about it, kind of zombie films prior to Romero, um, zombies are essentially mindless slaves who are controlled yeah. by a single individual who is who's exploiting them. So you think of like the Hammer film, Plague of the Zombies. They're kind of essentially like exploited workforce, or a kind of you know white zombie. I walk to the zombie. It's like it's basically it's like um, the main antagonist is controlling them, whereas as we know from Romero zombies, a zombie a zombie can't be controlled. A zombie is completely chaotic. Um, yeah. And if you look back to um, the first filmic ad- 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 cinematic adaptation of I Am Legend was, I think, uh, that Vincent Price film, uh, The Last Man on Earth. Yeah. And that was a big influence on Romero's, uh, on, on Night of the Living Dead. But if you watch that film... Um, even though it's kind of the Night of the Living Dead premise, like one guy stuck in a house with all the people, all the all the zombies, for want of a better word, carting right, right outside, they are repelled by sunlight and garlic. Um, so I think that it's basically the the concept of a zombie as we now know it didn't exist in 1965. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So so that's why they're called vampires because the the vampire was the closest the closest popular pop culture reference to to what they yeah. are. I, mean, I suppose vampires are parasitic as well. Uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I suppose for, from a marketing point of view, like, vampires were huge. But, exactly. Know. I mean, if, if it had been released like five years later, it, undoubted, it undoubtedly would have been called something like Planet of the Zombies or Zombies yeah. in Space or something. Yeah. Um, Is there an example of films that have zombie in the title, but the, the creatures aren't zombies? Well, those those ones I kind of referenced, you know, kind of the the kind of pre pre Night of the Living Dead ones, you know, where where the zombies oh. are kind of like 
Yeah, but was zombie like I mean, after. in the title as a marketing? Um, Sorry. Would you mean like with zombie in the title as like a marketing sort of strategy rather than? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but not actually zombies. Yeah. yeah well, so a good like example after. is um, uh, Zombie Holocaust. Um, because it's it's an its original title was uh, Dr. Doc, Butcher MD, and, and it's actually a better title because it, it kind of talk- <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, yeah, MD stands for medical medical deviant, um, <laughs> because it it kind of uh, harks back to the kind of pre Romero zombies because the film is about uh, a kind of crazy doctor living on a uh, tropical island who is um, turning turning people into zombies and using them for his own benefit so he can control them. So like yeah. they, they obey his commands. Um, and the, the film is kind of part that and also part kind of Italian cannibal genre. Um, right. And so it's an original title. Like when it played in, uh, for, on the, um, in the Grand House Cinemas in New York, it was called Dr. Butcher. But then it was later kind of retitled um, Zombie Holocaust, you know, to kind of fit in with the zombie flesh eaters and there's there's bound to be others that I that I can't think of off the top off the top of my head. But yeah, like, I, yeah. it's it's not the same. But like uh, all I can think of was Troll, which doesn't or Troll Two, which doesn't have any any trolls in it at all. Uh, but it's just it's di- different kettle of fish altogether. But it's yeah, yeah, they turn them into plants, don't they, or something? They turn them into vegetables, to eat them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a crazy. Well, they're, they're sort of they're weird goblin things, but the, yeah. the director uh, the director is adamant that there are trolls in it, but yeah, they're, they're on. They're eating her, and then they're going to eat me. <laughs> oh, oh my, my god! god. <laughs> <laughs> what is that movie about? Uh, about trolls? The worst worst movie movie ever. What is it called again? The worst movie of all time, or something. Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah, the documentary, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what was yeah. that film about? The, with the spoons and the uh, and the fifth balls, you know. <laughs> you tell me apart, Lisa. Oh, the room. Yeah, was that not the worst? Oh movie? yeah. Oh, it's just this is just the name of this documentary about uh, Troll Two. Oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, what is it? It's. Uh, what, what, I don't know. I'm trying to look it up on IMDb here, but it's not. I'm I'm surprised Zombie Flash Eaters Three isn't uh, held in that esteem. Yeah, I know Zombie Flash Eaters Three is some some feat. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that. I don't know why I haven't because I I love Zombie Flash Eaters. I think it's telling that uh, one of the one of the one of the central central characters was played by a gay porn star who who later went back to gay porn because the film was such a flop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you know, fuck this, lads. I'm, I'm way back to gay porn. It's way more crack. <laughs> yeah. uh, Fright Night. Uh, what the kid from like the best friend from Fright Night, the original one. Uh, I think ended up doing gay porn. I'm not sure if he did. It. Actually, he probably didn't do it before because I think he was like, like maybe 17. Or something. Yeah, oh, that's but, interesting. Uh, he, uh, I think he's now in, in gay porn. Maybe there's an article for the bear there. Uh, Gay porn actors who'd be in horror films. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but along with the name of the site. I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, uh, Planned of the Vampires went through um, quite a few titles before they kind of decided on Planned of the Vampires. I'm just quoting to IMDb anyway. There was Planet of Blood, Space Mutants, Terror in Space, which I think, which I suppose is a direct translation of the... Uh, original Italian title, Terrore Nello Spazio. Uh, 
the haunted planet, the haunted world, the outlawed planet, the planet of terror, the planet of the damned, um, various other, uh, the demon planet, um, and then various other kind of uh, non-English titles. Um, yeah. In West Germany, it was called Planet der Vampire, which means planet of the vampires. <laughs> and then West Germany TV title, it's almost a played on TV, and it was called Schrecken im Weltall, which means like the, hmm. the terror in space. So, um, yeah, lots of different titles, and then I suppose they. Shrek mean terror? Huh? Shrek mean terror in German? Uh, yeah, Schrecken, yeah. Shrek. Is, is that, oh, you're like, like Shriek? Uh, is, is that spelled the same way that, like, is it Max von Shrek? Is he Nosferatu? Yeah, because that was uh, that was his stage name, I think. Okay, right, okay. So I think that that's why he chose that. that that's what it means. Right. Like Max Max of Terror, which yeah. is pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> it is cool. There, there, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the <laughs> the tagline. Doesn't doesn't make really any sense. And even with the sort of twist, actually, with the twist in the movie, it makes even less sense. Ten thousand years ago, or ten thousand years to come, are they beings of the future or the past? These men who rule the demon planet. So, it's quite a <laughs> quite a strap line. Like. But it doesn't I mean, make, make much sense. But it's, but it is kind of giving away the twist at the end. Yeah, because the, because well, something, the, but it's also it's also like throwing a massive red herring in there, like ten thousand years ago or ten thousand years to come, because it like it it obviously it seems to happen quite contemporaneously. Cause, oh like, yeah, like New York and. Yeah. Unless like New York's preserved as a museum or something. Yeah. No, well, because he says uh, there are buildings that are still made of stone oh, yeah, and yeah. iron. <laughs> that kind of reminded me of The Simpsons, you know, the two aliens. Yeah, like, yeah. Like something that come out with. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, even the way they look at Earth, yeah, that could be an influence. But did, I mean, do, do you think that that was a kind of uh, an influence on um, the, the twist in uh, Planet of the Apes? I Maybe. suppose, actually, yeah, could have been. Yeah. That's basically what happens in Planet of the Apes, isn't it? Because cause, cause you do watch this film thinking, oh, it's obviously humans in the future. Um, and then at the end you go, oh, so they're not humans? Um, They'll never make a monkey, or look, you've made a monkey, or look, you've made a monkey out of me. They do refer to themselves as humans, or, pe- or you know, the aliens refer to them as humans. Like, the, the, the yeah. word human is used. So... Yeah. so um, that's either a kind of continuity thing or it's that, you know, it's one of those things where you're supposed to then come to the conclusion that they're not actually speaking English, but yeah. for the purposes of the audience, it, it has been translated into English and human is the closest Yeah, thing. true. Yeah. And I mean, like in every, I think we talked about this in uh, kind of a Holocaust, but like every like sort of indigenous tribe refers, like self-identifies as the people, their, their name always being for themselves always is like the people, so not like the same principle. Yeah, exactly, because you're, you're not going to think of yourself in the third person, or you're not going to think, yeah. you know, oh, it's the Americans who are the, who are the real people, we're just the savages. Obviously, you, you think of yourself as the the occident. Yeah. Yeah. So, what did you think of the representation of women in the film? <laughs> yeah, that was that was interesting. What did, what did you think of it? <laughs> First of uh, all? I just thought they were all sort of um, displayed as helpless and like 
constantly falling on the men if anything bad happened. You know, there was one part where, like, someone, one of them, like, clung to Mark uh, mm-hmm. when she heard terrible news about something. Yeah. That sort of thing. I actually, I think I messaged you guys about this the other night and I've forgotten the point that I was making. But there were other elements in it where, like, as you were saying, like, uh, uh, in earlier, that some of the girls do some quite badass stuff and have, like, sort of quite prominent roles and don't fall into the sort of traps that sort of became tropes. But at the same time, they they fall into a lot of other tropes, like you know. Yes, the uh, the the bit you were you were talking about, Chrissy P, was um, whenever Tiona is on is on the bed, and they're trying to kind of get out of her what she saw. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, basically, all she can say is, "I saw them, I saw them." <laughs> And that's kind of all, you know, it takes some ages. Yeah. It's, a bit, it's a bit like uh, Dr. Frank, it's a bit like Frankenstein and you know that, the Jess Franco film, Curse of Frankenstein? Yeah. Episode 11. Um, and uh, um, it's interesting because she is kind of, you know, in that state of shock and, you know, um, they're trying to get the information out of her and it takes fucking ages. But then later on, whenever Bert... Um, is actually on his deathbed. Like he's he's actually about to die. You know that's how fucked up he is. And they say, and, "Who did this to you?" And he immediately says, "It was Captain Salas," and then dies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like, right. <laughs> the, the, the the male character has the wherewithal to go, "Oh, I'm going to tell you the information because I'm about to die." Whereas the female character is just you know utterly hopeless and, and can't can't bring herself to. He says like faces in the dark. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Yeah, they were all mutilated and bloody. Um, I, thought so. I know it's it's a shame, like like it really is a shame whenever those kind of those kind of um, gender stereotypes uh, creep in, isn't it? Did you think Mark Markery was a crap captain? Um. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was okay, but go for it, D. Convince me otherwise. Uh, it's just certain times he seemed impatient in terms of asking people questions. Uh, like, so we'd ask them a question and they'd be quite reluctant to answer, obviously for dramatic effect. But if he just had have asked again, uh, it would have been fine and he would have known the answer, but he just storms yeah. off. Um, yeah, he, he so. does a lot of storming around and, like, you know, just blundering <laughs> his way around, like, the situations that could have. <laughs> taking like a second of thought to sort out to like <laughs> um, I know and then he kind, of, he kind of constantly turning to the doctor you know like as if the doctor is going to go oh yes of course we came across this uh, exact situation in medical school it's this yeah. <laughs> um, if I was a doctor I'd be like, like I don't fucking know <laughs> how the fuck am I supposed to know what these weird globes are <laughs> The the globes are pretty funny actually. The just the effect. It was clear that it was just like two lights. <laughs> I know, I know. Um but I mean it's it's pretty cool, you know, when like when you think of the, the you know the effort that was put into a film like the thing with all the prosthetic effects and you know, show, showing the morphing process and then all the autopsy and you know, um Palmer's head becoming a massive spot no not Palmer's head, uh Bennings, is it Bennings' head becomes the big spider? Um, no, it's not Bennings' head. I can't remember. But anyway, when the, when the head becomes the big spider, uh, all that kind of stuff, and then obviously because of budget budgetary constraints, it's just globes. It's just like they're just <laughs> they operate in a different wavelength, and they just take over the bodies like that. Yeah. 
I mean, I suppose like a lot, like a lot of it is just down to um, to budget, really. I suppose, isn't it? At the end of the day, films like okay. yeah, yeah. I, I think that's why it's kind of funny because they seem to do such a good job with the limited budgets, only just to get two torches and you know, like <sighs> fill in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I think I read somewhere that the that the set was you know it was it was already there you know it was like a set from a different film which I suppose like didn't they, didn't they do that in Enemy Mine wasn't wasn't the Enemy Mine set from something else? Yeah, I think it was. I can't remember yeah. what it was though. So I suppose it's not really that uh, that um, big a deal, but yeah, obviously, um, these you know these 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 productions obviously just use the same set and you know why would you tear down a perfectly good um, perfectly good kind of space planet set that could then be used again uh, yeah. yeah true I, there's a actually now that you mention enemy mine the kind of uh, see a bit of influence there but it's it's not like that big uh, just in terms of like when they're tracking across the the dangerous you know the supposedly dangerous terrain yeah. But they're able to come back across it really quickly at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. And then there's like a, like a crash to zoom in that weird bubbly bit. You're like, it doesn't matter. It's just bubbling. It's not, it's not, it's not a threat. <laughs> it's just a bit of the planet that's bubbling. That's all. It's just geological processes, same as every planet. <laughs> I didn't ask about the temperature. <laughs> Uh, we were um, we were uh, talking about the the kind of uh, the aliens there, and um, it, it does take them a while to work out what what the aliens are and what, and what the threat is and kind of how they exist. But but they do eventually work it out, and and there is a nice piece of kind of dialogue between the characters as they kind of come across as they kind of come to this conclusion. So we were taking a wee break and, and have a listen to that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Bert dead, Eldon disappeared, and this unknown enemy keeps getting closer. The enemy is also becoming visible. What do you mean by that? Well, you saw something. Something not quite identifiable out of the corner of your eye. Oh, yes, as if it were composed of little globes of light, something fleeting, nothing definite. And the minute I looked at the things directly, they were gone. How can you explain it? I don't know. It's possible they're an alien form of life. That's true. Their form here could be based on a different plane of vibrations. Flesh and blood men can't see them, except obliquely, as you did, Mark, out of the corner of your eye. Then these strange sonic wails we heard could be their voices. That's right. Well, we'll bury Bert tomorrow. Another tomb we have to leave on this dangerous planet. Tanya? I'll be right with you, Mark. The other thing that we were kind of talking about uh, during the week was um, how, how much the name Mark is used. Because it kind of it reminds it reminded me, and I'm assuming it reminded you guys of the uh, Curse of Frankenstein episode, <laughs> when we kept on, and they would find uh, the the name Paul so funny, and it is, and it is kind of funny, um, like uh, it's like an Italian man's um, idea of what, or maybe or maybe it wasn't even Bava, maybe it was just the the uh, dubbing people who decided the, uh, the their names, but they've they've given them names like uh, Brad. And Bert, and yeah, uh, Elvin, yeah, and uh, Mark, and I don't know if it's mentioned in the film, but in um, in IMDb, <laughs> his name his name is Captain Mark Markery. Yeah. 
It's like, it's like the first time you ever hear Chris Christopherson and you think there's no way his real name is Chris Christopherson. That's ludicrous. <laughs> I was supposed to uh, Gary Neville's dad. It's called Neville Neville. Yeah, he died yeah, during the week, actually. But I didn't believe that that was his actual name the first time I heard it. Neville Neville? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I mean, like, like, do you think it jars as much as Paul in uh, Curse of Frankenstein? Do you think it's a bit, it's a bit weird? It's a bit weird. Like, the, like they don't call him Captain; they just constantly call him Mark. Or Mark. Yeah, that is weird. There's no sort of like respect there or something. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like they, you know, like they rarely use like a pronoun. It's always they just say Mark. What are you doing, Mark? Mark. Do you think we should do that, Mark? Mark. <laughs> Mark? Like constantly yeah. Mark. Uh, maybe. I don't know, maybe like uh, whatever planet they're from, Mercury. Maybe they're, they're sort of like, you know, like Chris Christopherson. Is that sort of like, <laughs> is he Isla- like maybe Icelandic heritage or something? I don't know. Suppose, but yeah. that uh, son, uh, having, having son after your name is, you know, it's like a patrilineal thing. Maybe Mark Mercury is a sort of patrilineal thing wherever they come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although okay. Toby Mercury is his brother, so. Oh, yeah. But maybe it's like the. That's what, that's what Still sort of mixed, you know, it would be like the eldest, maybe. Yeah, because like an Irish, like if you have so, like if your if your dad's called Liam and you're called Liam, they'd be called Liam Oog. Yeah. Um, but yeah. then if your if your younger brother, he he won't have an Oog, will he? Or will he have an Oog? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> what do you mean? You would have two brothers with the same name, most likely. So they yeah. wouldn't have an Oog. Yeah. What if the, what's Liam Oak's son like, called? Huh? What what if Liam Oak has a son? Yeah. Oh yeah, Liam Oak. I don't know. Does it keep yeah. going? Or maybe he's just called Liam, and then once the original Liam dies, then Liam Oak becomes <laughs> Liam, and then Liam becomes Liam Oak. <laughs> 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 I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking because um, of the famous Irish piper uh, Liam O'Flynn um, in the early Planks oh, yeah. albums he's called Liam O'Flynn and then in the later Planks albums obviously after his dad dies he becomes Liam O'Flynn oh, okay yeah, yeah. <sighs> anyway so yeah I, I kind of thought that, that that was funny and Brad brilliant you know <laughs> if you want to pick like, a kind of typical American you know hero name it would be Brad Brad yeah. I thought uh, Mark was more jaw- uh, jarring than uh, Paul, or you know, just the way it, they said it so much. <laughs> yeah, they did. They really did. And at least Paul had the had the kind of the, the benefit of being spoken by Peter Cushing. Yeah, yeah. Rather than just kind of some some dubbing artist in a studio. Oh, Mark. <laughs> Mark. Yeah, this is a brilliant bit. I think it's is it, it's one of the female characters, Tiona Sanya, and he says Mark says something like. Um, whenever he's just, whenever he's seen Nick, Captain Salas, and uh, the other guy, and they've kind of gone to bed, and he says, one of them says, "Oh, they're like they're." The doctor says, "Oh, well, you can't deny that they're alive." And then Mark says, "It seems that way anyway." And then the female character says, uh, "Seems, Mark. You said seems. How do they think <laughs> seem and then are?" It's like that's such a weird line. You said seems. <laughs> It's just so it's really jarring, isn't it? It's just really, uh, really weird. Like, I just wonder, is it like, is that like an Italian, I don't know, because it was dubbed in English, you would, you just, you would think it would be native English speakers yeah. doing it, so I don't know. But just, yeah, it some of the like, lines really jarred. Well, it sounds like it, something you would say if you were really stoned. Yeah, it seems. You said <laughs> seems, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> 
maybe it's it's one of those things that like has been translated word for word. Uh, I mean, like most translations are are done like uh, you, you know you give the, the sense of what's being said rather than yeah. word for word. You do word for word; it doesn't make any sense uh, most of the time. So maybe it's one of these things where the translator just goes, "Okay, that's that's literally what he just said." So I'll just you know maybe it doesn't make any, or maybe it does make sense in Portuguese or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It, it could be one of those things. Yeah, I like. The, I'm looking through some of the character names, and I like the way they've taken, like, especially with the women, they've taken like common names and they've just changed one letter, like Sanya, like one letter of Sonia and Diona or Tiona, and one letter of Fiona. Oh yeah, okay. I I, I didn't pick up on um, on uh, Tiona because I thought uh, I couldn't I couldn't work out what that would have been. But yeah, you're right, Fiona. Yeah. Yeah. And then Elden. Where the fuck Elden. does Elden come from? <laughs> I think Elden is a name. Uh, I think I've heard Elden before. Yeah. <clears throat> I like Carter. Yeah. Sort of the American name. Yeah, Carter. yeah. Yeah. Or or like uh, or like a, a baby's name in 2010 or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> the, the the other in, in, the kind of interesting thing about that we haven't talked about is the fact that they all start fighting each other at the start. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming that basically what happens is the aliens make them fight because they want to they want them to kill each other so that they can then take over the bodies. Yeah. And the and the crew of the Argus manage to break out of it, but the crew of the um, Galliot don't, and they end right. up, and they end up killing each other. So why were the why were the crew of the Argus able to, able to break out of the spell, but the crew of the Galliot weren't? Yeah. That's apparently know. because Mark is such a you know alpha male, such a legend. Yeah, such a <laughs> fucking legend. <laughs> apparently so. <laughs> Toby, Mark's brother Toby, was in the other ship, and he he sort of gives him a little bit of a warning that gets cut off. Were you mentioning this earlier? Actually, uh, starts to say something that gets cut off, um, and I wonder did they. They, they maybe got there first, and maybe that's why they, they got to the front of it or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe, but don't they... Yeah, because they, they do land first, and then don't, they kind of... Um, uh, they then kind of video call them again, and he says something like, you know, just that classic, you know, broken speech that no one would ever speak, speak like, you know, uh, conditions desperate, must send help, now! You know, like the way no, no one would yeah. ever speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm assuming that's uh, that's obviously prior to to them um, to them fighting each other. But yeah, I mean, it it clearly it clearly is supposed to be the fact that like because it's Mark's because it's Mark's ship, he's he's able to he's able to kind of um, stop them from fighting each other. I mean, I suppose obviously you know you have to have one ship surviving because that's the that's the plot device. But um, yeah, I, I suppose this is one of these instances where like narrative device uh, becomes sort of more more important than like any way of explaining that narrative device yeah, yeah. but um, the, one of the things I wanted to ask you guys is who who destroyed the meteor rejector on the on the Galliot uh, because the, because yeah because presumably if the aliens realised how important the meteor rejector was they they wouldn't have destroyed it so do you th- and then I think they they find a body close to the to the destroyed meteor rejector. So do you think that one one of the crew of the Galliot realized what the aliens were trying to do and destroyed the meteor rejector themselves? 
so so that the the aliens, even if they did manage to take over the ship, wouldn't it would never get past the atmosphere? Could have been. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds possible. Ah. Does does anything like that happen in the thing? Um. It actually does ring a bell in in the thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's the bit where um. It's the bit where they don't know who killed Fuchs, and all all they find is a burnt body, with the uh-huh. with, with Fuchs's glasses, and then they're outside, and um one of the characters says uh, um why would it burn him, and then someone says maybe maybe he burned himself before it could get to him. That's kind of what, what, oh, that, yeah. reminded, what that reminded me of. You know, the idea that the character would would realize what was happening and in their dying throes. Um, you know, kind of sacrifice themselves, or you know, sacrifice, sacrifice their ship for for the you know for the for the sake of not letting the aliens have a means to get back to their their home planet. But actually, one of the first things that happens on the the ship when the aliens take them over is on on Mark's ship. What is what ship? Whatever uh, yeah. on Mark's ship, is that one of the characters the Argus. does try the Argus. One of the characters does try to destroy that um, when he's been inhabited. Wes, yeah. Uh, why? Why does he try to destroy it? If the he doesn't try to destroy it, he tries to disconnect it in order to probably hide it so that they can't escape. Okay, right. Okay, yeah. yeah. I think Fair you're enough. given the impression that he's trying to destroy it, but in hindsight, when you look yeah. at it, he's actually just disconnecting it and stuff. And yeah, okay. Because I certainly I, I, thought that at the time. I mean, the the thing that like some someone pointed out on um on an IMDb board was that um if the, if this meteor rejector is so important and like you literally can't fly without it because you will immediately be you know shot down in flames by a flaming asteroid, why is it a sitting prominently in the, uh, in yeah. the um you know in the what do you, what do you call that the main place where everyone sits the bridge the, the, the bridge the bridge. And yeah. secondly, why is it so fucking easy to disconnect? And third, <laughs> why don't they have spares? Yeah. This is That's like they've only it. got one and it's sitting prominently and all it only takes like thirty seconds to disconnect. I mean, you know, the, like if, if you if you lose this or if someone steals this, you're fucked. So you may as well have shitloads of spares. It'd better be, you know, password protected and it'd better be hidden. But no, it's just sitting out there. <laughs> I'd like to know how original that idea of a meteor uh, rejector is, because there's uh, possibly an influence on another influence on Star Trek there, because they have a thing called the deflector dish. Oh, so, okay. like when you're flying through uh, space, it sort of gets all the debris out of the way. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I wonder if like Planet of the Vampires was the first sort of uh, uh, media or whatever to come up with that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, like, it is obviously like a, uh, like you know, like a plot device because it's a means. It's a means by which to have this kind of struggle. So they, you know, so they have to get it back. They they can't just escape. But you know, like the the International Space Station has been orbiting our atmosphere for fifteen years now, and I don't think yeah. it, it hasn't been hit by an asteroid. So actually, weirdly, I've I've been reading the new Neil Stevenson novel. Neil Stevenson wrote like it's, uh, it sort of writes like very very sort of like realistic sci-fi and uh, it's set uh, round about now um, but it's 
it's a lot of it's set on the uh, International Space Station, and it talks about the damage that like tiny, tiny little like uh, uh, particles can do. And I think they have had problems with it before. Cool. But, like it, it actually it becomes a massive, a massive thing in the um, in the the plot. Um, but uh, it, yeah, uh, I, I think a lot of the International Space Station. I think maybe it's not as big a problem because it's so close to. Uh, there are saps where a lot of stuff burns off, mm. but um, it's uh, yeah. It's, okay. I, I think I think it is like one of the things that they they worry about the most. Like it, it, they sort of are a constant risk that one of them would be killed by something that's just flying like a bullet through. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you know, presumably on the on the ISS, they kind of have and obviously kind of ground ground based um, uh, eyes in the sky, kind of watching out, and they'll and they'll know if anything's coming. Well, yeah. actually, I think that the problem is that these particles are so small that they, like, I mean, like, pebble-sized can, like, do, like, uh, like, could, like, put a complete out of action forever, you know, wow. if it hit it at the right angle, uh, because it comes at such a fast speed. Wow. But, uh, do you know what they need? They need a meteor rejector. <laughs> they do. <laughs> That's exactly what they do. But, um... Your rejector yeah. has... On the, on the way to that planet, it had rejected exactly 999 uh, meteors. And they said, well, next one, what is it like next one? <laughs> I'll throw you a party or something? <laughs> yeah, something like, uh, yeah, and one of them says, like, if we, if we didn't have the meteor rejector, we'd, we'd do, like, Swiss cheese. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that's, that's when they have their first sort of, like, Skype session, and they all crowd round to, like, to smile, like, models into the camera. Yeah, and that's right. <laughs> Skype session is... Uh, is probably probably less successful than ours actually because they all die at the end. But yeah, <laughs> seems to go off much more smoothly in the in the room. Well, there's 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 three of them left at the end of the film, and there's and there's three of us. Yeah, so... actually, it was Django's back. Oh yeah, Django. Yeah, bloody. Django. I actually quite liked the wee watch devices they had. You know that. Yeah, uh, they were cool. You can see the other person. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And like, I wonder, you know. I mean that's that now seems like a pretty a kind of sci-fi cliche, but I wonder is that is that a is that something that you know this film kind of profligated? Yeah, could have been. Yeah. The other interesting thing is um, whenever they're landing, um, and because it is actually one of those films, like because it has a twist. The second time you watch it, you kind of notice more stuff, um, and one of the things I noticed was they. As soon as they land, they 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 remark how um, how the uh, ship isn't damaged at all in the landing, even though you know the landing was out of out of their control and they seemingly crash landed. Oh yeah, they kind of say. I think Mark says something like, "It's almost like a training a training landing." You know, there's there isn't a scratch on the on the ship, and it seems like a throwaway line at the time. But when you when you watch it again with in hindsight, you realise that it's because the aliens have have brought them there knowing that they need the ship to get back. So they've made sure yeah. that the ship is, is protected. Okay. Yeah. Sort of tractor beam kind of. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But is it it's brilliant? Mostly... It's brilliant whenever they're, whenever they're kind of crashing and getting pulled into the planet and they're all, the actors are having to pretend that the, the gravity <laughs> is stronger, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gravity's 45 times stronger. Yeah. And, and then, then afterwards they say like, you know, I would have thought 45 times stronger would have killed somebody. Well, what do I know? Um, but, <laughs> but I, I wonder did they like film the whole thing where it's like oh my god it's 45 times stronger and then realize oh shit actually that would kill somebody let's just film the scene where we just say 
it didn't kill us for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is another one of those, those scenes where, like, because the gravity is so strong, they can't do anything, but Mark can, because he's Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's totally unaffected. <laughs> he's a Dubai. <laughs> but what is it like when you fly into space? It's like, what is it, like 10G or something? And it's a. Uh, yeah, they say it's like it's like twenty Gs, I think, or something, or like twenty five Gs, I think they say. Yeah. Jesus. Oh no, in that, but in like in real life, I mean, like uh, I think like the most a person can stand is like ten G or something. No idea. Like, I don't know. No idea. SCP. I'll find out. Google. You do, you do me Google now, sure. <laughs> I think uh, what I kind of found a bit funny was their constant pattering about the sets. You know, like every time they would move, you would hear the footsteps all over the sets. You know, the constant. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, the sort of the hatch keeps bouncing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, like the thing about the sounds is that it's it's all it's I think it's all post dub. Like it's, it's actually all, it's all dubbed. I stand corrected. Uh, John Stapp. Uh, oh wait a minute. Yeah, John Stapp was ejected 15G for 0.6 seconds at a peak of 22G during, during a 19th of March 1954 rocket sled test. He would eventually survive a peak time of more than 46G. Oh, there you go, because because the doctor says that no one's supposed to be able to survive over 25. Yeah, there you go. <coughs> so It's like one thing the doctor knows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So they're right. You can't survive that many G, or somebody can't survive that many G. Probably not all of them. They'd probably be pretty badly named afterwards. Like, yeah, but I think he survived that for one point one seconds. Oops, no. Fuck. Oh, okay. Yeah, but Mark can survive anything. He's he's Mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the, apparently, this was the first film that uh, Lamberto Bava did, and it was um, uh, assistant to the director. Lamberto Bava being Mario Bava's son. Uh-huh. Um, Lamberto Bava being the director of Demons. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and Macabre and various other kind of uh, a blade in the yeah. dark. Various other, um, you know, Lamberto Bava would eventually become a. a, a Prominent uh, Italian director in his own right, but um, yeah, interesting to know that this this was his uh, this was his first film, it's his first kind of credit, I think. Yeah, cool. Uh, what's his other stuff like? I've only ever seen you know Demons and the sequel. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm gonna look at IMDb to see if there's any films that I have seen that I can't remember, but the one that springs to mind is Macabre, which is um, a film about. A woman who keeps her husband's head in the fridge <laughs> and kind of carries on a love affair with it. <laughs> um, and I think she ends up killing people. It's years since I've seen it, but um, uh, that's that's a phenomenal film. I, I was actually um, yeah. considering maybe maybe picking it uh, at some stage. Um, Sounds like Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, yeah. I suppose so. But probably probably is probably is influenced by that. Uh, I'm gonna have to Google. I'm gonna have to. IMDb Lamberto Bava here just to see if there's any other films that I've seen that I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of typical, you know, violent uh, uh, Italian giallo films, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Demons is hilarious, though. It's, oh, it's Demons is great, isn't it? The helicopter yeah. part is just, it's something else. It really is. I've and it's watched it quite recently, actually. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's the kind of oh we, we did rabbit dogs that's right rabbit dogs that's another famous <laughs> stuff we did um uh, what else um, it's a great sentence out of context <laughs> rabbit dogs I know <laughs> uh, and he, he did he did like a kind of um post Jaws kind of exploitation film um which I think was called something like Gums. Gums. <laughs> <laughs> well, something like Devil Fish or something like that. <laughs> I think. And it was a kind of, you know, oh, Jaws was big. Let's do a, you know, aquatic horror film. But yeah, I'm just kind of scrolling on IMDb. I can't see anything else that I've seen. So yeah, so yeah Demons and Macabre are the only Lamberto Baba films I've seen. Um, but yeah, there you go. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm actually looking through his list now as well. But um, Devilfish, yeah. Devilfish, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's called <laughs> Devilfish. Uh, who is your like? Who do you think was your favorite character? I mean, there isn't there isn't really much distinguished distinction between the characters. But if you had to pick a favorite character, who would, who would you who would you pick? Probably. I like I like uh, I like Wes. I think I think he's cool because he's he's the one who fixes the ship, and also he's the one who ultimately you know who kind of. Kill, you know, kills himself in order to try and save, uh, in order to save, uh, save his own race, humans or whatever. Yeah. D. Uh, I'm just gonna have to go with Mark. <laughs> he yeah. felt like he was the only <laughs> developed one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's sort of the only character that actually. I mean, like, they, they could have switched the actors for all the other characters. Like every time they were, they had a new scene, and I probably wouldn't have noticed easily. <laughs> That's Easily. <laughs> In fact, for, for all we know, they did. They did. Yeah, yeah. Like I, every, like yeah, I don't know. Like even, even not not even like actors that had been in other other characters, just totally new actors, and I wouldn't have picked up on it um, because mannequins. As far as I've seen every character for the first time, every time we spoke, completely. <laughs> even even um. Uh, Oh, I can't remember what I was going to say there. <laughs> <laughs> I, started, I really, I hated Mark as well, though. This is sort of old uh, patriarchal figure. Like, you know, because he's older, he's automatically wiser and everybody, you know, looks up to him and respects him, even though he's full of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And even though he doesn't, he doesn't do much to kind of justify that respect, does he really? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, he's a bit of a dick, really, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I like Wes. Like, I, I think he's he's the kind of he's the kind of cool character who kind of probably does the most. I mean, like he, you know, he's the guy at the end, and he's he's the one who actually fucking fixes the ship. And at the very end, you know, um, Mark, even though Mark at this stage, Mark is kind of taken over by the aliens. He says, you know, he hasn't slept in two nights. It's like fuck. Wes has been asleep for forty-eight hours fixing the ship trying to get everything ready for them to go while everyone else has just been all fanning around getting killed <laughs> I can barely remember Wes though uh, I, I remember him at the end but I can't really remember any of his activities throughout the film yeah yeah, yeah exactly D <laughs> sorry <laughs> he's, he's, he's too busy busting his balls he's not off playing playing, playing the narcissistic hero all right. <laughs> yeah. It it is funny whenever um 
Yeah, because like, like even whenever Mark is a uh, is an alien, he's shit because because he because he gives himself away because he stands in the door and wears his doorway, looking at him with a with a gun or something. With a fucking gun. Why does he do that? <laughs> well, because like Wes then kind of tells Sanya about it and then kind of says, "Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> it's pretty." Because yeah. because he uses the uh, like he uses the adverb uh, fur, f- furtively. It's just it's so brilliant. You know, I wonder if yeah. like, like like is the, is the Italian word you know more commonly used? So they just translated it or something. He's like, <laughs> I don't know why he was standing outside my door so furtively. furtively. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever, whenever he's telling, whenever he's telling Sanya the story, it's just so funny because like he's, he, he basically says, um, I'm, "I was sitting in my room, and I heard footsteps." And then Sanya goes, "And then what happened?" <laughs> <laughs> like as if you would say that. Say. <laughs> <laughs> and what conclusion can you come to? There's only one conclusion I can come oh, to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that. I know. Absolutely <laughs> hilarious. So yeah, maybe Wes or maybe Sanya. So maybe, maybe, favorite characters yeah i think like the way the uh i suppose the aliens at that stage like they uh the, the way they got on was really it, it wasn't helpful to their cause at all like you know just uh letting wes run away when they knew he'd probably try and trash everything <laughs> yeah like they do just let him just let him run away yeah yeah or standing and outside like, his door i'm like but then like yeah, standing outside his door with a gun, you know, and then yeah. like too stupid to realize that he can he can see your reflection in the metal door. <laughs> um, but like, but like, what? Why does Wes then just? Well, I suppose he's in a panic and he, and he has to do it as quick as possible. But you know, why doesn't Wes? I mean, considering how fucking easy it is to disconnect the uh, meteor rejector, why does he? Why does he sacrifice his own life? I mean, I'm assuming he knows yeah, that. If, he have, huh? Why does he have to die doing it? Like, yeah. Like someone who decides he has to turn off a light switch, and but also like does it by like stabbing themselves in the heart or something. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like I'm assuming he 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 must know that like if he smashes up the media rejector, it will electrocute him and die him. I mean, he must know that, um, because he's he's the engineer. He fixes the ship. Yeah. Um, but I suppose you know he doesn't know how much time he has. But and I suppose you know yeah. there's no point disconnecting it if they can just reconnect it. But um. But it does seem a bit, you know, like why doesn't he just like if if they've let him run away, why doesn't he just um, disconnect the uh, meteor rejector and then you know grab another gun on his on his way out, and then you know hide and then try and kill the aliens rather than just you know basically all he does is smash up the meteor rejector and then it turns out it's not it's not actually really that big a big a deal because all all they have to do is just fly to the nearest planet and they're seemingly okay. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think it was leaving? Do you think it intentionally left it open the possibility of a sequel that never happened, or do you think was that a was that a thing a back then? I don't know. I suppose there. I suppose there could have been a th- there could have been a sequel. Um, couldn't there really? You know, they could have had. Uh, Someone on someone on Earth, you know, realizing. Yeah. And, and, uh, it, it would have been a totally different movie, obviously. <clears throat> yeah, completely. But um, you know, I suppose you could say that about the thing at the end, when it's just McQueen yeah. and Childs left, and you, the audience doesn't know whether or not McQueen or Childs are the thing, and the characters don't know whether the other one is the thing, so they just say, 
when he would just sit here well and see what happens and then I suppose you know that could, that could have technically been a sequel so I suppose it's just one of those kind of sci-fi kind of open endings that you're supposed to yeah yeah and then I suppose like the implication is that um, once once you leave the movie theatre um, anyone around you could be one of the one yeah. of the aliens you know that's, that's, it's that kind of thing it's supposed to stay with you and make you make you think about it yeah I think it's probably more a, a sort of device and uh, you know letting the letting the sort of participants sort of tell the story to themselves afterwards rather than leaving it open for a yeah Exactly. Yeah. I mean, because I, I, it 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 did kind of take me by surprise. I I did think it was just going to end. That you know, then basically be flying off and being fine. You know, like the, yeah. you know, I didn't really see it coming. Like like, like did, did you guys see the twist coming? No, 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 no. Yeah. Do you think you could read it as a possible prequel to They Live? Mm, maybe. Mm. Yeah, like maybe. the aliens coming <laughs> down and they're all mutilated and stuff. Yeah, potentially. I don't know, maybe not. But. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Carpenter saw this film, undoubtedly. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, regarding the regarding the alien ship that they find and then they, and then they go on board, um, why didn't they notice that before? Why do they only notice that they, they only notice that ship like an hour and ten minutes in? I think because all the whenever they go to explore, they sort of like they would take about five steps in a direction <laughs> they've been before and go like, oh yeah, that's fine. <laughs> like when they went to check damage in the ship, they just sort of like sort of peered over, which <laughs> is yeah. like, I yeah, no, it's grand. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Textbook landing, that's good. <laughs> um, and then the, the, the other really funny bit that actually made me laugh out loud is whenever um, Sanya finds the, the weird glowing thing and she touches it and electrocutes her. And then yeah. she says, I just got an electric shock. And then Mark goes, how? And she goes, touching that. And then he touches it and gets an electric <laughs> shock. <laughs> You're fucking retard. <laughs> she, she just said that was the thing that gave me an electric shock. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like uh, considering that bit as well when they're in the alien spaceship and he, he finds that massive tuning fork <laughs> like, yeah. and then automatically assumes that that's a key because why didn't I think of this before I know. there's absolutely no reason why you would have thought that before <laughs> nobody, nobody would think oh maybe a tuning fork will sort this out have you ever had a problem that you thought I know what I need <laughs> I know what'll open the door a tuning fork <laughs> <laughs> but the the uh, fact that the, uh, the, the like the, the, they have to go through different doors um, and, and the doors are kind of circular, so they have to kind of step over them. Do you remember that bit yeah. when they go into yeah, that yeah. ship? That, that's exactly like the end of the uh, uh, the Tommy Knockers. Do you remember the oh, the, uh, the, the yeah. fil- filmic adaptation of? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been like maybe like twenty years since the Tommy Knockers. So Do you remember it was the guy with the, the guy from uh, NYPD Blue. Yeah, yeah. D, did you ever see that? No, I don't think I've seen him. Uh, and uh, fucking Tra- Tracy Lords, I think, is in uh, the Tommy Knockers. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So uh, at the very end of the Tommy Knockers, um, he finally goes into the ship, and um, the he has to pass through loads of doors, and all the doors are like that; they're like circles. So he has to step over them. He has to, you know, they're not like on a ground level. He has to step over them. 
and then he gets to the main control bit, and there's a big kind of dead alien um, in the uh, in the bit that it, in the kind of control uh, steering wheel type thing, for want of a better word. And it's kind of um, it, it really rem- it really reminded me of that. And yeah, we kind of thought um, Tommy and I was potentially lifted from Planet of the Vampires, but then probably also Alien as well. Yeah, and the vision of body snatchers, I think. Yes, actually, there were quite a few people kind of from IMDb were, were commenting that, you know, there's yeah. quite, of, um, quite a lot of uh, similarities between this and Body Snatchers. Yeah. Pretty cool. But yeah, it's just, it's just so funny whenever he says, uh, how, how did you get the electric shock? By touching that and immediately touches it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually, I can't remember how they actually got out of there. I mean, it was, it was something, was it even connected to the tuning fork? It is, right? yeah, it is. It was the big electric shock then. No, 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 it's the uh, tuning fork. I no, know, it was, but it, remember it, it, he picks up. Like, he, he's really brave, so he can hold on to this electric shock thing. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, it wasn't the tuning yeah. fork, it was, the elect- it was the electric thing, wasn't it? Yeah, because, like, fork. why the fuck would it be a tuning fork? <laughs> 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 but then also, why would there just be a tuning fork lying around the... I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> box. Maybe it was for the for the aliens kind of barbershop quartet uh, <laughs> yeah. practices, where they were, you know, when they had nothing better to do. <laughs> love to hear Coney Island baby yeah that's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> with my baby on board <laughs> Simpsons oh, reference there <laughs> the, the, one of the just looking at my notes here one of the other things that I noticed was uh, just another similarity to the thing um, whenever um oh, I can't remember who it is but one of, one of the one of the dead bodies is on the table and um, they are on the kind of uh, operating table, and they they assume he's dead. And then when they're when they're not looking, he kind of raises his head and gives a sign that he's still alive. That reminds yeah. me of uh, Bennings in um, the thing. Um, do you remember whenever Bennings is lying on the table with the sheet over him, and then um, uh, his his hand drops down, and that gives it gives you kind of a gives the audience an inkling that the you know he's not dead, he's still alive. That kind of reminded me yeah. of the thing. And actually, a little bit like, um, uh, oh, what do you call that brilliant French movie? Uh, really, Le, Le, Le Diabolique. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it sits up in the bath. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that happens in, in John Carpenter's The Fog. I think it happens in uh, Phil G's The Beyond, as was kind of a... Yeah. It's well, we actually we've, we've made reference to it in that exact like that part in another podcast. And I can't remember what it is now. Yeah, we did. We we talked about it in. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I can't remember. Can't yeah, remember. we did. We did. You think you were talking about it before? Um. Yeah, I mean, I was just I just also kind of thought that the the whole kind of reds and blues and uh, kind of there's there's a great scene whenever they they they're kind of making it across the the weird marsh to the galliot and it's just all silhouettes against red and blue and it's just like if you if you if you were ever writing an an essay on um, Baba's influence on Argento's cinema you would just you would just point to that scene and go there you go that's that's yeah that's Suspiria you know silhouettes against kind of smoky red and blue it's just it's so expressionistic it's just so yeah. um, it's just like it's like almost the um, it's almost like a kind of uh, tableau of uh, 
kind of late 70s Italian gothic cinema, you know, it's just, yeah. it's like 1965, you know. And I think that's kind of one of the, one of the, one of the things that it's, it's kind of worth pointing out is just like you, it's actually, it's actually quite difficult to overstate um, Baba's influence on, on, on cinema as a whole. And, um, you know, just the amount of people who kind of cite his, his influence and just, you know, even just through this podcast, even just one film, we've kind of talked about all these different um, aspects of this film that, that we can kind of, we can see mirrored in, in uh, other, other films, um, other kind of sci-fi and horror films and, and beyond. Uh, yeah. He's, he's just one of those, one of those guys. He's just kind of like, a, I suppose, like a, a director's director really, isn't he? Cause it's not as if, um, it's not as if he's like kind of Hitchcock, you know, where, you know, lots of, lots of directors are influenced by him, but he's also adored by the public. Yeah. Um, yeah. True. Yeah. Do you think that about Franco as well? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if I agree with you on Franco. Yeah, but Franco, yeah. <laughs> nah, but, nah, but Franco is a legend. Yeah. Yeah. Fra- yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, if you asked uh, Tim Burton, John Carpenter, and Dario Argento who their top five directorial influences were, whether or not Jess Franco would feature, but I'm sure Mario Bava would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just going to look at my notes here to see if there's anything else I want to say. Uh, Dave, have you got anything else to say? No, I think I've pretty much said everything <laughs> there is to say about Planet of the Vampires. So. Yeah. Where where do they get the big massive black boards to cover the graves? Oh yeah, good point. What did they bring them with the expectation that they would be? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, how grim would that be? You know, right where? And, and actually, the sort of weird cross—they're not not the cross, but the after the, the, the grave markers. Yeah. Like they don't seem like it would be too easy to make. You know, yeah. On a alien planet, like. I mean, like. Yeah. <clears throat> Say, say, whenever like um, NATO troops are are, de- are deploying to to Afghanistan, uh-huh. if if a soldier dies, they're they're brought back in a coffin, aren't they? A body bag, I think. But but whenever they arrive, you know, in the news, they're, they're I, in a I, coffin. I imagine they probably. Well, I, I think they have bases there, like so. I imagine they probably uh, bring uh, you know have like coffins at base or something well maybe yeah yeah, yeah so, but I, I don't think they have like coffins on helicopters that they go on missions so do, do, does that mean that whenever whenever a new um, a new like uh, I can't remember what you call like a group of soldiers whenever like a new group of soldiers is being deployed Army? do they say oh and 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 uh, and, and uh, make sure you bring some coffins as well <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yeah maybe um, you know like yeah. Because, like, like, first of all, where do they get those weird gravestone things? And then where do they get the, the body bags? And then where do they get the big, massive, really heavy um, black kind of monoliths to, to put on top of the graves? So they, they must kind of go, oh, and, and we better bring a big, massive, you know, uh, black concrete slab for everyone in case we all die. <laughs> we have to bury yeah. each other. <laughs> That's weird. They would probably need one less than the total amount of crew, obviously, because... Because if you all die, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least one person will be able to be buried. I'm trying to 
remember what they do in Star Trek. I know there's that classic, you know, the film where they shoot Spock out of the, the torpedo Aye. shoot. Yeah. But I can't remember what they do in other episodes. Yeah, I don't know if they really do anything. They just sort of... Do they? I'm not sure. The episode where Tashi R dies, I know they just bury her yeah, on the planet. Like... Yeah. But... She comes back, doesn't she? Uh, yeah, but that's a parallel universe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, don't know. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm done in terms of Planet of the Vampires. I, I think we've we've covered it. It's uh... <laughs> yeah, done. Next. <laughs> well, I'm surprised next. you managed to watch it twice. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I would have had patience to watch it twice. Yeah, well, I mean. Um, uh, I watched it once and then this afternoon uh, kind of, I was out doing stuff and I got back and I just kind of you know, had it on when I was you know, making food and having a shower and getting ready and stuff so uh, I just kind of had it on in the background the second time um, Fair enough In the shower? Uh, yes, I had my laptop in the shower <laughs> <laughs> um, So yeah, <laughs> should, should, we, should, we, should we do our, our, our final review? Marks out of 17. Yeah. Okay, Crazy P, you go first. Uh, final review is I thought it was. I, I thought it maybe had enough plot and enough sort, of, enough sort of decent twists to make a good half hour episode of something. Uh, maybe an hour, maybe a good episode of Star Trek, but uh, I think drawn out. To, like, I think there was like 30 minutes of filler there where people were just digging around the planet not really discovering anything really particularly exciting or you know, instrumental to the plots or anything um, there were some, some cool moments like the, the skeletons of the other alien race I thought that was, that was quite creepy and pretty cool and I, th- I thought that was yeah very original uh, but yeah I think the rest of it uh I think a lot of it, not the rest of it, but a lot of it was just filler. Like it, like it needed to be that long. Uh, March of 17, nine, say. Shit. I was going to say 10, <laughs> but no, I'm going to stick with nine. It's just over 50%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I'd really have the patience to watch it again, although I think. I don't know. I think if I try to watch it again, I'd probably end up ignoring it again. Like, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, young, young David? Uh, it was a very slow film to start. Uh, I think I, I agree with Paul in that respect. I remember it was half an hour because uh, I was actually clock watching at one stage, going, is this actually going to you know, go anywhere? Um, once it did kind of kick in it got a bit more interesting in terms of plot and stuff but even with that it doesn't really hold up to like other science fiction films that maybe would have come before it you know like uh, like what else is like War of the Worlds and stuff like that and The Day the Earth Stood Still 2001 yeah it's not as engaging it's uh, it's still good It's uh, but I, I, I did quite like the twist at the end and everything but uh, I don't think I would be that interested in watching it again or certainly recommending it to anyone. Maybe as a sort of uh, 
this had a big influence on other things, but it's not really that compelling. I think in the end, I, I think I would give it a similar rating uh, to Paul, B nine. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I would largely concur. Um, I, I, I kind of I've said this maybe three or four times now, but again, I, I, I find it I find it weird that that article you read said that this was a good in- introduction to Mario Bava because um, it's, it's not really like anything else he's done, and um, it's not particularly good in comparison to some of the other kind of Bava films. I mean, I, I would if someone said what oh, I want to get into Mario Bava, what should I watch? I would. I would probably say that, you know, something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, okay, so uh, I think, um, yeah, once it gets going, it's fairly good. Um, I think uh, budgetary constraints do harm it. I mean, to, despite kind of uh, Baba's flair for kind of um, um, masking those those constraints, uh, I, I do think that it does kind of suffer. Um, a good example is... Whenever they kind of stumble uh, upon the, um, the the other alien spacecraft and they find the big skeleton, and at that point you kind of think, right, this is this is something a bit different. This this is you know it's kind of going to go somewhere now, and it doesn't really go anywhere. They, they they just kind of go in and they find the skeleton and they get trapped, and then five minutes later they've escaped again, and it was just a kind of like a, a nod to kind of just say, you know, oh these these uh, the, the aliens. This um, so in that respect, I, 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 I did kind of find it a bit disappointing, and I thought, you know, um, maybe just kind of one of those elements, you know, could have yeah, could have made a really good, you know, forty-five minute kind of sci-fi, you know, like an episode of a of a, of a sci-fi series. Um, it's not really much kind of done in terms of characterization. It doesn't really have the kind of the the, the, the you know kind of Baba's mastery of kind of tension building that you kind of see. In, in his thrillers and some of his more kind of um, expressionistic uh, horror films um, and it's hard to kind of find a character that you really like as you know we, we were kind of trying to talk we were trying to kind of select a, a favourite character and it's kind of you know the characters just all kind of meld into one it's just, it's, there isn't really much going for for the film um, and I think yeah Day as you said it's one of those things where you just you just kind of watch it and go are, that's interesting. I can see how it influenced these other films that are, you know, twenty times better than this film, <clears throat> like The Thing and Alien. I mean, can you imagine watching The Thing and watching Alien and then watching this? You know, it would just it would be boring. You'd you'd fall asleep. So yeah, I think uh, I think I will give it a similar st- score. I think I'll give it nine. Yeah, I think I'll give yeah. it nine, nine out of seventeen. Yeah, which I think is my lowest score yet, which is a shame because. I love Bava, uh, and he's brilliant, and um, so many other good films that we could have watched. <laughs> <laughs> totally suffers, like from uh, yeah, the whole like the films that came after it. Like we, we're obviously watching it from a non-contemporary point. If we had watched it when it, you know, it came out, um, like so, if you had been someone at the, a cinema goer at the time, do you think it would have left more of an impression? I don't know because, I mean, when was two thousand and one? Was it? It was like sixty three, was it? Really? Wasn't it? Uh, no, 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 it was it was it was, it was, it was uh, sixty eight. Yeah. Uh, um, it's funny. I, actually, I there is a, a contemporary uh, 
on IMDb that kind of slits it, but it, it's weird. It's a weird review. It's like someone turned up to let me see if I can find it. It's like uh, a post or something. Somebody turned up to um, uh, uh, like a twelve-hour screening of like this and like some other film. But am I thinking of the same film from a different film that I read? I started reading reviews of another film uh, the same night. But let me see. Right, uh, reviews. Uh, just just while you're looking that up, Paul. Um, yeah, I was I was looking at uh, the uh, the original uh, the thing from another world, which is obviously you know the main inspiration for John Carpenter's the thing. And it was 1950. And Plan with the Vampires didn't really didn't really do much to kind of improve sci-fi horror. Uh, I think if you watched those two films back to back, you would struggle to really obviously the thing from Another World's Black and White, but I think you would you would struggle to really um, see you, you you would struggle to comprehend that there had been 14 years of like development between the two films. Well, sure, the oh, original uh, anyway. Invasion of the Body Snatchers was 1956, and it's still a great film, Like even if you yeah. watch it back. I think it it's is. better than the remake. The, the, is Donald Sutherland? Is he in it? Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. What the, I, I'm not sure if I've ever seen the remake. Was, was uh, Jeff Goldblum in the remake? I don't know. I thought it was Donald Sutherland. I'll look it up, actually. Yeah, I'm gonna look up Jeff Goldblum. What's the Jeff Goldblum film that I'm thinking of? The Fly. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Donald Sutherland. While we're kind of looking at these various films, um, Crazy P. Yeah. It's your uh, uh, it's your turn to um, you know. Well, next film, uh, I had three possibles, three possibilities. Uh, one was A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which I watched really quite recently. Cool. Uh, it's, it's excellent. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it, it, it's great. But I, I think I might leave that for another time. Uh, another one was, uh, I was maybe going to choose the Hitchcock uh, film. I was maybe going to choose, or, uh, maybe like one of the more sort of fun Hitchcock, like Rear Window or uh, Trouble with Harry. But I'm going to leave that another time as well and uh, it's going to be we've talked about it tonight actually quite a bit it's going to have to be Friday the 13th part one yay <laughs> we're finally doing Friday <laughs> and uh, we actually um, I, the first time I watched Friday the 13th was with uh, uh, my friend Connor who was my housemate at the time and he uh in, uh, we both stayed up until I think like 11am we started watching like 10pm 10, 10 one night and uh, we started watching the series and uh, Jesus. a bottle of whiskey and a bottle of wine between us over the course of the sort of like first six episodes or first six films and, uh, we had a, an amazing night and uh, <laughs> then I've totally fallen in love with the series so I think it's watched it quite a few times since then but First one, I think Connor might actually join us for it. Our first guest, I think. Yeah, our first guest. I think he, he'll have quite a, quite a bit to offer. Hopefully, he's uh, he's he's a big fan as well, and uh, he's uh, 
yeah, he's over over in London, so he's uh, he's gonna maybe Skype into us as well. So see how that goes. But otherwise, if he's not, it'll be three of us. Nice one. Cool. Yeah, and uh, uh, Betsy Palmer passed away uh, months ago as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jeff Jeff Goldblum was in uh, the remake of uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh yeah. Uh, as was Leonard Nimoy. Ah, no. Ah. Um, I was just thinking of people that passed away. Is Roddy Piper? We previously yeah. covered they live. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Roddy Piper. Yeah. Yeah. Bit of a legend. Yeah, they're falling out of the sky. Yeah. No. Did Brian ever tweet us or something? Or the favorite tweet of ours? No. D D. Came in a tweet. Retweet it and our daily episode a bit of exposure, but I don't think he did. Did he? Did he? Did he? Well, I don't think so. I can't remember anyway. He might have been like favorite or, or tweet or something. I, I can't remember. I don't. I don't know. Well, I know where I know where Pam Greer, um, aka Foxy <laughs> Brown, uh, follows us on Twitter. Which um, that's right. Uh, I nearly uh, shot myself at a um, I'm sure she's a. She's a big fan. Hi, Pam. Hey Pam, yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Friday the Thirteenth. D. Are you a fan? Uh yes, uh, I think I watched it a few years ago with you, maybe for the first time. Oh, we good few years ago now. Watched it launched it with Keith. Yeah. Was that the first? Was that, that the was... first and only time you see the team? Uh, I I think I watched it when I was really young. I just couldn't really remember a lot of it. I remember Kevin Bacon being a part. Uh, that's. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I thought you'd stop talking, but you just actually cut out to my headphones. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Well, sure. On that, on that note, we'll 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 uh, call it a night, call it a day. Let's okay. do that. Yeah. Well, cheers, uh, cheers, Fleabag for picking Planet of the Vampires, and we'll look forward to Friday the Thirteenth next time. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Can't, can't believe we're doing Friday the Thirteenth. It's, it's kind of one of those ones that uh, has always been in the back burner, and you always think, you know, when will we do Hellraiser? When when will we do Friday the Thirteenth? When, when will we do Child's yeah. Play? Uh, when will we do Psycho? And uh, yeah, now we're finally going to do it. Nice one. Excellent. Cool. So, uh, yeah, um, I guess that's, that's all from us. Uh, say goodbye, Crazy P. Goodbye. Till next time. And say goodbye, Young Fleabag. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, see you later. Flew down to earth one day Looked to left and right of it Couldn't stand the sight of it And said, let's fly away They took a look at a western movie Somebody heard them say If a horse can be a star Think how dumb the people are We'd better fly away Then they shook their little green antennas, scratched their purple hair. 
said this planet is an awful menace. Let's go back to where we came from. Two little men in a flying saucer just didn't care to stay. No, no. Said it's too peculiar here, headed for the stratosphere and quickly flew away. Field in Brooklyn when the Dodgers played a baseball game. Hey! Heard all the screaming, said we must be dreaming, cause the planet is insane. During the mission, heard a politician making speeches as they traveled by. Gabble, gabble, gabble. But they departed faster than they started, cause the hot air blew them sky high. Flew down to earth one day Listened to a radio Saw a television show And said, let's fly away They got their fill of commercial jingles And they were heard to say All the people seem to be Living in a nursery We'd better fly away Traveled all around and once they'd seen us Said let's head for space We were better off on Mars and Venus Goodness what a place to live in Two little men in a flying saucer Just didn't care to stay No, no Crossed a crowded thoroughfare Saw the hats the women wear And quickly flew away and quickly flew away One look and then they flew 